Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. Welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, is Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you today? Ian, I cannot complain. I cannot complain. How are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I, uh, I, uh, just hanging out most of the day. We're doing this a little late night today for a, uh, an assortment of reasons, but, uh, I, uh, I did spend a, a little portion of the day listening to um, the vinyl release of The Lost Crows, which uh, I know is a, a small sore point because uh, you haven't uh, yours hasn't made its way to you yet, even though you pre-ordered well before me. So uh, It hasn't made it to me, and I'm getting nervous, but I've got a phone call into Bull Moose, but they have not charged my card. I don't have a shipping confirmation. Uh, I spoke with uh, Chris Boger uh, on Facebook, and... He said legendary. He, yeah, the legendary. Spoken. He at least got the uh, an order confirmation, but he said that he'd heard it may be delayed. So uh, hopefully they're going to call me back uh, tomorrow and let me know. Uh, if they don't, when you hear our next podcast, I may start pleading pleading with people for uh, a, a copy of it. And I, I will gladly pay fair market and then some uh, for it if somebody could get their hands on it for me. But I really got excited after I was excited to begin with because I've, I've, it's one of my favorite Black Crows releases. But I really got excited after you said how well it sounded. Yeah, because if you remember, I uh, I mentioned on a previous episode that uh, you know the the only I was hoping that the dynamic range would be a little better because uh, the CD version. I mean, you know, it's it's fine, but it it uh, it's a little brick walled, you know. Um, that you know, just to make it louder, um, but uh, no, the uh, I ran it. Uh, the nerd in me ran it through digitally, and I compared the two files. And the, the the LP one is definitely has a lot more peaks and valleys, and it's a much warmer sound. That all sounds good to me. I, I cannot wait. Yes, but uh, so hopefully yours arrives soon. But I uh, I understand. You have been spending some time with the with the panic over the last couple of days. Yeah, I went, went and saw uh, Widespread Panic Friday night. Yeah, Friday night and Saturday night. A friend of mine actually gave me his box for both nights. So uh, had great seats, great service, um, all the amenities you could enjoy. Uh, it was a really it was a really good time. Uh, I hadn't seen them in a couple of years. They uh, they always come through Mississippi uh, because they have a uh, a very deep connection to the state. Uh, both musically and with uh, some of the members of the band, and so usually when they come here, you get uh, you get some special uh, some some special songs, and they uh, they did not disappoint. Uh, the second night especially was really uh, was really strong. Got a couple of Robert Johnson covers because of where they were, and uh, also got um, they played Tom Petty's "You Wreck Me." Uh, really? Yeah, um, Van Morrison's "And It Stoned Me." So it was a it was a good time. Uh, are you a, are you a fan at all of them, or is that just somebody you never got into? I, it, I've heard them, and I've you know I, anything I've heard, I've enjoyed. It was just um, it was almost like too much to take on for me at one point. I never really fully 
jumped in and I, I never knew a, a decent place to start. I, you know, I'm open to recommendations, of course. And I, they're, um, they're more of a, uh, a dead type where uh, the live stuff is uh, trumps the studio stuff in a lot of people's minds. Is that is that the case? That is the case. I, I would definitely say that. They have two albums, Till the Medicine Takes and Dirty Side Down, that I think really capture the live sound. If you are, have the Nugs out, though, you get all of their shows for free on there. So that's a, a good starting point. They do have uh, a couple of like archival releases that are that are, are available on like Spotify. The one that's not available on Spotify, I'm not sure where it is, but it's called Live in the Classic City. Now they released another one that's on Spotify called Live in the Classic City Part Two. But Live in the Classic City Part One is an amazing recording with a great variety of songs. So if you're out there listening, you know, like I want to get into them, I would listen to that. It's uh, it's really, really good. It's one of my favorite live albums of all time. As a matter of fact, I think it's like a triple CD. So it's uh, it, you would definitely um, if you don't if you don't like that CD, there's no sense in, in in going any further. We'll put it that way. Well, I will give that one a shot. The 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 studio album you mentioned, "Till the Medicine Takes," that's actually the one that I uh, whenever that came out, that was around the time I tried to, and I liked it. I just never got any further with it. So I'm gonna. On your recommendation, I'm going to go back and uh, check that out. Well, if you buy anything, they should give me a, uh, a finder's fee. They should. They owe, you, <laughs> they owe you big time, and then anybody listening too, you know. So, but um, so you, we uh, we got a night a pretty cool uh, giveaway this week. Um, so if you, I don't know if you want to just run that down quickly. Yeah. So our our first couple of giveaways have focused on various social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter. We're going to spotlight uh, Instagram on this one. So we have an Instagram page, State of America Podcast. Fo- go follow that. And what I'm going to do is shortly after we release this episode, I'm going to post a picture of Chris Robinson's debut album, The New Earth Mud. And I will, of course, have a little sentence in there that said link to the uh, podcast is in the bio. But what we need you to do is in the comment section under that picture, tag two people that you think may enjoy our podcast. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait five or six days before before the next one comes out. Pick somebody, and you're going to get two things, one from Ian, one from myself. Ian is going to send you a factory-sealed, unwrapped version of the album New Earth Mud with the accompanying DVD documentary, and four live songs, two of which were never recorded to my knowledge, Beginners and Sinners and Mint Tea, along with Silver Car and um, Mother of Stone. Now, Silver Car was on the first album. Mother of Stone wound up being on the next album. And then I, to celebrate the release of the Chris Robinson Brotherhood album, Servants of the Sun, will send you either a CD or a vinyl copy of it. So once we pick the winner, I'll DM you, ask you, do you want CD or vinyl? Get your address, and Ian and I will get those to you. I do want to congratulate Jim Regan, who won our first, uh, not our first, our, our second giveaway, the Lions giveaway. Uh, so he got a copy of the uh, Lions CD that was still factory sealed, and then Ian made a compilation of songs from that album that Mark played on and took those live recordings and sent it to him as well. So sometimes we're going to sneak something extra in on you. 
with these giveaways and not necessarily advertise all of it, a uh, way to keep everybody on their toes. But Ian, we do need to thank everybody that has been listening and sharing the word of our podcast. I have been overcome with the success of the podcast, not from like, oh, we're doing not, you know, not anything on you and I, but just the love that people have for the Black Crows and this type of platform to discuss them. I have gotten so many emails. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've gotten so many emails, texts, social media messages of people saying how much they love it, uh, how much they want to come on the show. And so to everybody that wants to come on the show, if you want to get in touch with us, honestly, though, we it's just blown up a whole lot bigger and faster than we ever could have imagined. So we're in the process of trying to map out some things and we're I'm keeping the list of everybody and rest assured it may be this year, it may be next year or whatever, but we're going to get everybody that wants to be on here one way or the other. And uh, we're going to do our best at least to get everybody on. And we just thank you so much for the outpouring of support. And um, a couple of you have reached out to us and uh, we're hoping at some point um, those contacts um, lead to uh, some pretty impressive guests. I'm not going to, give anything away other than that but you can possibly you can probably imagine who those guests would be so Ian I know I, I've get, gotten a lot of uh, feedback I know you have as well and uh, it's just uh, it's just gone to a level that we couldn't have imagined in the first five or six episodes oh yeah it's it's unbelievable and uh, you know I do want to echo David's sentiment uh, it's um, I really thank you to everybody I, I, I between uh, you know, uh, messages and emails and people sent just their appreciation for, for what we're trying to do and their enthusiasm for it and their, their desire to, 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 to spread it around and, and bring it to other listeners who might be interested and things like that. And just, it's just, it's unbelievable. I never, I thought one, one day we would get to this point. I never thought it would happen this fast. And I, you know, I, I, with each episode, I, I look forward to doing it more and more. And I, I uh, really, so uh, thank you to everybody. I, we, I truly appreciate it. Hey, and Ian, uh, before we do go any further, I want to tell everybody the Twitter account is at Digital Kill. And then Ian runs our Facebook page, State of Amorica Podcast. And then Ian, why don't you tell them about the YouTube channel you created? Yes, I just uh, opened up a YouTube channel that I'm in the process of. Uh, uh, adding things to, I, you know, um, I have a lot of rich and Mark and, and all kinds of things up there from my own archives that I have, the stuff that I think would be really cool to share and get out there. I kind of was inspired to do it because, um, the last episode, the lions episode we did, we had played a, a snippet of, a, an alternate mix of losing my mind. And a lot of people were, were asking about it, you know, by emails or by private messages and things. And so I just, I made like a video out of it and put it up on YouTube. And I said, well, we could do this with a lot more stuff. So it's, uh, you know, just state of America, uh, at YouTube. And, uh, I'll be adding things constantly over the next, uh, days and weeks. So stay tuned to that. Well, I'm looking forward to see what you put on that, that YouTube channel. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, all these years of, uh, collecting things will pay off now I could share it with people a little bit more 
but uh, so this week we were going to just uh, really dive into Chris Robinson's first solo album, New Earth Mud, which came out in 2002. I have a particular affinity for this record, um, and I know you're an appreciator of it too. Is that right, David? I am. Uh, I feel like though there are certain songs that um, I have strong opinions about one way or the other. There's not really any middle of the road on this album uh, for me. Um, I, I, I was, it was highly anticipated because it was going to be the first thing that um, we had heard from members of the Crows once they went on their quote unquote hiatus. And the first thing we heard though was uh, the red road off the banger sisters soundtrack, which uh, I really liked the song. I liked it even more when he, the, you know, when he would play it with the New Earth Mud because he didn't have a lot of the bells and whistles that are on the Banger Sisters record. Uh, that song, it made me excited and nervous because it clearly was not the Black Crows. But I do have to say I respect him trying something different because he went all in on the, the singer-songwriter uh, thing for this album. And he's dressing differently, you know, I've, dressing you know with wearing a lot of sweaters and you know the button down underneath and cut his hair real short and i don't have a problem with any of that and i don't have a problem with him trying to do something that was completely different it it bothers me sometimes when you have a, a prominent member of a band break away from that band and then basically try to record the same music that they would have recorded if they were with the original band to me that's it's disingenuous that's that's not fair to the fans for one thing uh, especially with a band like the Black Crows, the Black Crow, the sum of the parts were so unique that there's no way you could replicate that with other people. And I don't think Rich has tried to do that in his solo albums. His solo albums are, are for the most part, a lot different than uh, Crow's albums. Now, I think The Giving Key would be a great Black Crow song. I, I think we both agree on that. But Absolutely. I, but I, th- I th- applaud Chris for what he was doing. And stylistically, he's kind of all over the place on this one. You know, there's some funk. There's some singer-songwriter stuff. You know, there's some, uh, uh, you know, kind of more rock songs and a little psychedelic stuff. And I think you can go back now with hindsight and cherry-pick a few of these songs and see kind of the direction he was going to go with the Brotherhood, not necessarily with the next uh, New Earth Mud album. And I think it's good to point out that this is actually a solo album it's called chris robinson and the name of the album is new earth mud that would evolve on the next record to chris robinson the new earth mud uh that's a thing uh that a lot of people i think miss on that that this this was a solo project this wasn't a band project no and it's uh you know it's 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 funny is that he you know obviously uh he did a lot of writing and recording and and everything he was he was tight with paul stacy on this one and um, from from what, what I understand, they had met uh, when the Crows had done the co-headlining tour with Oasis because uh, Paul Stacy had done quite a bit of work with the latter day Oasis, starting with Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. And so um, I guess he and Chris hit it off and they, uh, you know, after the, uh, the Crows folded up the tent at the end of uh, 2001, I believe he and Paul kind of took off to Paris for some inspiration and they wrote a lot of songs together there. Um, there's even a, a, a bootleg circulating around of like some demos they did um, while in Paris, you know, more acoustic based stuff. But, you know, it was the framework for the uh, 
what would become the New Earth Mud album. And uh, he, you're definitely right. He 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 went tried to go that singer songwriter route and not in a you know in a false way or anything. You know, it was what he was feeling at the time. And I think it was a smart move to kind of distance himself from the Crows and really try something different. His head was in a different place. You got to think at the end of that Lions tour, things were probably just very miserable in that camp. At least it sounds that way. We'll probably find out when Gorman's book comes out. Yes. He had recently married and fallen in love with Kate Hudson. And that's evident. And I think he was in a really, really happy place. And, uh, you know, he expresses a lot of that. Uh, This... This album is unique to me in that the lyrics written by him are so direct most of the time. With the Crows, one of the cool things about the Crows is their songs, I still don't necessarily completely know what they're about. They wrote some kind of ambiguous lyrics, and which I think is cool because you can listen to a song and have an interpretation of it, and I can listen to a song and have a totally different interpretation, and both of us could still maybe be right. Uh, yes. With this, the lyrics were a lot more direct, yeah, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. There are a few songs I, I, it's, I'm not a fan of that he did that. But for the most part, I cannot see, outside of maybe Sunday Sound, I cannot see any of these songs ever being considered for a Black Crows album. No, I, yeah, I would I would entirely agree with you. Sunday Sound is really the, uh, the only one that might. And I believe it's one of the few, if not the only one, that's carried over to the CRB. He plays ride every now and then. Oh, is that right? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. that's a that was a big uh, that was one of those ones that he fleshed out live um, a lot. That turned into a real jam live. Um, but you know, we're we're gonna go through the uh, the entire album in this episode. But uh, uh, just out of curiosity, um, you know, if you what's your what's your top track from this one? That's a it. It's between Safe in the Arms of Love and Sunday Sound for different for different reasons. If you're just asking me what do I think is the best song lyrically, vocally, I would have to say um, Safe in the Arms of Love. If I take into account the playing and you know the singing, it would have to be Sunday Sound. What about you? I have uh, an odd favorite on this album, and I, 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 I might be surprising. I don't know, but my favorite track on this, um, not that I don't you know, really enjoy a lot of the other tracks, but uh, Fables is the one that sticks out for me. Interesting. It's something about the. Uh, it's you know very sparse with mostly just acoustic. He's very subdued in his singing, and there's nice nice keys on that. I don't know. I really I always connected with that song in a big big way. And uh, going back to it after all this time, because I haven't I haven't listened to this album um, in at least 10 years. It just kind of, you know, fell by the wayside for no good reason other than there was just other material coming out, you know. And uh, so I w- but I went back to it and listened to it uh, several times. And that, that song still hits me. So, well, my opinion of several of the songs has has improved over the past week. I probably haven't listened to this album in 15 years, really, uh, as a whole. So that's a good thing. I, I've actually enjoyed the last couple of days listening to it, uh, trying to get ready and be educated on it enough to talk about it. Yes. Well, we uh, it opens up with a song you've uh, mentioned, and it actually was a tour. I think they opened every show on the 2002 uh, run, at least, with uh, Safe in the Arms of Love. Mm-hmm. 
it's an appropriate opener for the uh, for the record, I think, and it. Uh, I I think it's a theme that goes throughout the the record is the instrumentation is so much more subdued than you know uh, on uh, Crow's stuff that I think it really because if you listen to the quality of his voice uh, on Lions versus the quality of his voice just a year later on the New Earth Mud record, uh, you know it's obviously done him a lot of favors. The uh, the more more mellow vibe. What do you think? Oh, totally. When I, when I saw him uh, with Aster Crow Flies, I don't think his voice has sounded that good singing Black Crow songs in a long time. So he definitely has, has saved his voice. Uh, interesting, that, you know, the way he sings on this song, um, I think conveys emotion especially in the chorus, better so than almost anything, in my opinion, that he's done vocally. Uh, this was the, the chorus was a totally different type of melody than you would ever hear in a Black Crow song. And he really shows like the vulnerability of his voice at times. And, and what I mean by that is just in the way the inflection at certain points in these songs conveying emotion. Uh, it really, that's one of the big takeaways that I have um, uh, on the album with the crows a lot of times the emotion for me is transferred from the actual music and then the lyrics just kind of like the salt and pepper on it but like you said with this one the instrumentation is in the background it's not in the forefront it's actually you know doesn't play as nearly as big of a role and so he had to step up with his voice and i think he did a good job with that yeah i mean when you when you're dealing with the crows you're dealing with <coughs> a lot of you know uh musically talented people so there's a lot of ingredients there not to say that the people involved with new earth mud weren't talented people but it was more of a showcase for chris and his voice and his songwriting rather than you know many different pieces coming together i mean you know a large portion of the songs on new earth mud are credited solely to him uh you know safe in the arms of love included um and i think that's a real testament to i mean you know, this was his first real foray into being the the uh, you know predominant songwriter and uh, you know playing guitar. He was fairly new to playing guitar. Hey, I, I actually, he wasn't. I meant to. I was going to try to find a way to work this in. So you and I talked about that. We were both kind of under that impression. There is right. a YouTube video, and maybe we can put it on our channel. It's an interview with him and Neil Casal, and it's I think it's entitled "The Guitars of the Chris Robinson Brotherhood." Right. And so he's he has a Martin, and he is talking about how his dad played a Martin, and it's like I think it's like a 1959 Martin. He said like he initially you know bought it for, because his dad played a Martin, and he uh, said he didn't really appreciate it or take care of it like he did. And Neil said that's the guitar that you wrote High Head Blues on, right? And he said yes. So that means he was at least playing to some extent. In like ninety two, ninety three. Yes, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. Now that you, you refresh my memory, I do remember him saying that that you know the main, uh, you know, like the intro riff to that was his. Yeah, so that's. I mean, I guess he has been was dabbling up to a good time before that. That's true. Now we, but we never saw him play live, and from what I can remember, until the was it the Cabin Fever sessions, or did he do some on, when Mark came back? I, I can't remember. I think I remember seeing them in uh, 06 and like when um, 
when Mark would do like uh, like when I saw them, they Mark did L.A. So he would kind of sing background and play rhythm guitar a little bit. But yeah, mostly Cabin Fever um, was when he kind of really stepped to the forefront. So the, the, there are two songs on the record, and the, it happens to be the next one that appears in the track order uh, that are co-written with uh, good old Ed Harsh. And uh, the first one being Silver Car, which I think is a standout track on the album. thumbs way up on it and i remember seeing them play this on the carson daily show late night show on nbc oh is that right yeah and i thought that was kind of an odd song for that considering they're playing it at like 12 30 or 1 in the morning you know on carson daily i kind of would have thought they would have gone with uh, sunday sound or uh safe in the arms of love but they went with silver car um Another song that wouldn't have fit on a Crows album, but really makes sense here. And it's you're starting to see lyrically where Chris is going. He's real big on like setting a scene, you know, talking about specific things like, um, you know, I now I'm trying to I can't come up with any examples, but things like a silver car reminiscing about something that was fond and innocent. You know, he does that with, with the CRB a lot. Um, and so, uh, he started that with this one. I believe this would, this may have been an actual single that was released. Uh, I don't have info on what singles were released, but this is one I'm surprised he hasn't played with the CRV because there's a way I think you can make it a little more psychedelic than what it is on this. And I think, they could have some fun with that. And I think, well, McDougal's not with them anymore, but I think he could have had some interesting takes on that. But you're right. Eddie Harsh on this, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, just everything he touched just sounded great. And this is, this is a prime example of that. Well, I mean, it definitely is. And it's definitely a testament to his playing because, you know, the, the piano intro, uh, particularly, is very much his style and yet it's not played by him on the album it's played by uh matt jones who handled most of the uh, keys on the album oh but, so so harsh is not playing on the recording on this one no he just wrote it but he does not play it but wow like, you know, okay so well my, you can my, still my recognize it as his thing my apologies to matt jones you did a great job <laughs> yeah i mean but it, it you know it speaks volumes of his of his playing and you can recognize it you know his style I always felt that that Ed was a very underappreciated player. Um, you know, amongst musicians, I know he had a great reputation, but you know, he he deserved a lot more recognition than I think he got. Well, Gorman has said on record he's the best musician that was ever in the band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they. Uh, I think they kind of tried to when he came to tour with them, tried to up their game because they, you know, they wanted to not look foolish in front of him or something. You know, not look like a bunch of kids or something. You know. Right. But he also 
you know, co-wrote the the next track on the record, which um, is the first one that really sounded like a huge uh, departure for me, which was the the kids that ain't got none. almost uh, like a social commentary in a way you know uh, but uh, you know that w- again was written by uh, Chris Ed and Paul and uh, I like the track uh, it's not one of the top top tracks uh, you know of the of the 12 that are on the main album but uh, I always enjoyed it it was it was good that when they broke it out in concert too which a lot of this material really saw a new life in concert as a whole but uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this one? I really like the song. I think it's another example of his uh, vocals really uh, letting the emotion come through, on, especially on the chorus. Same as with Safe in the Arms of Love. Really one of my, probably my third, it's probably my third favorite song on the album, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, it holds up for me. Like when I went back and I actually enjoy it more now than I did at the time of the album's release. Um, you know, which can also be said for the the, the next track, which is I, I I have back and forth on this one so many times because sometimes it's it really catches me the right way, and then sometimes it, it doesn't. And uh, uh, it's called "Could You Really Love Me." Could you really love me? Could you really show me the way? So could I really love you? So could I stand up and say? of a uh, a soul kind of vibe on this one if uh, uh, that's how at least i i hear it but um and it's got some some moog synthesizer stuff on it and uh, i don't know i ultimately i think it's uh it's good i mean i, I don't know what your thoughts are on it but uh this it is this me. is one i would have left on the cutting room floor uh I, I has never done a thing for me at all it's interesting. It, interesting how we can both listen to it and get two different things. But yeah, this this is one of the ones like I told you I have strong feelings about. Uh, this one's a, a no go for me. Yeah, I mean, initially when I first picked up the record, I didn't like it at all, and it's 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 going back to it 
now that I kind of said, well, it's there's some cool stuff I could pull out of it. I, I could totally understand why, you know, because it doesn't really to me, even though he's he's stylistically all over the map um, on this record, it still doesn't really fit in that well with it. There are given the wealth of material he had at the time, there are other things that might have fit in a little better, I think. But you know, ultimately, I, I don't I don't hate the track. But uh, I, like I said, I kind of uh, flip flop on it. So uh, sometimes I'm with you, sometimes I'm not on this one. You know? <laughs> and then, uh, but that gives way to another track that I kind of I was always unsure about. But this one I think was more popular amongst fans of the album, and that was uh, "Untangle My Mind." Untangle my mind Yeah, come on, do it to me, baby Do it to me, make it real like the first time Said, baby, baby Just do it to me with a smile Said, with a smile, with a smile, yeah Tangle my Untangle my, untangle my mind. Initially, I didn't, I didn't like this because I, I thought the, uh, the lyrics were delivered in, a, in an odd way. But uh, going back now and listening to it, it's almost, uh, I guess, more Dylan-esque. It's a little more spoken at times, and I, that's kind of cool to me now. Um, but uh, I don't know. What, what are your feelings on this track? This is one that initially I didn't like. The more I've listened to it, and especially in the past week, uh, my opinion on it is improving. Um, I agree with you on kind of it's more Dylan-esque, and this really it does fall into the singer-songwriter uh, category on this one. And like I said, I, I appreciate him trying. Uh, in the past, I would have told you it was a miss. Uh, I'm leaning more toward it being a hit now. Uh, so it's definitely one that has has improved with time. Yeah, I mean, I would almost say if you had to guess, this track was written early in the process. You know what I mean? Because it sounds the most embryonic of his, you know, solo songwriting to me. You know, right? But, and it um, makes you wonder how much of this was written with Paul in Paris, and how much did he already have? Yeah, I mean, I get the impression that he he came to the table with a lot of stuff, or at least a lot of ideas ready to go, and you know maybe, uh, you know Paul, and then you know uh, Ed and and Mark and and anybody else that contributed, uh, kind of fleshed out his ideas a bit with him. You know, I see the the co-songwriting credits on these as those people kind of helping him realize the full idea of what he already brought to the table. That's a that's a good a good um, I think a good thought on that because it's so new to him writing this kind of stuff. You, you think he probably, he needed an editor. Uh, and I think Paul Stacy was probably that editor. Yeah. I mean, you know, and he's a, he's a talented musician and songwriter in his own right and a great producer. So, you know, he was definitely a good, uh, a good guy to have uh, in your arsenal, you know, but, uh, so then up next would be, um, back to back our, our favorites really. Um, Starting with uh, Fables, which is my my favorite of the album. Circle and the tambourine. 
Nothing is what it seems But around and round So we all go Like the chaos of the angel And the song to ease the soul I'm not interested in fable I, I like I said, I just really, really like this song. And at the time, I was playing myself a lot of acoustic guitar, so it was very accessible to me. And uh, but going back and listening to the album, um, you know, I do I do a large part of my music li- listening these days in the uh, in the car. So I uh, I just kind of cruised around to listen to the album a few times, and I, I I still got excited about this song, and that really was was cool to me because. You know, I hadn't heard it in so long, and it was like hearing it for the first time again. And I, I, I enjoyed it just as much now as I did back then. I had um, completely forgotten this song existed until um, I listened. Start, I guess maybe it was four or five days ago, uh, and went through. And you know, I've got a new vehicle; it doesn't have a CD player in it, and you know, the new computers don't have CDs, and it's not that album isn't on Spotify, so. Um, I was going to load it onto my iTunes and, and move it over, but I've just been listening to it on YouTube, honestly. Uh, I, I'd have to agree with you that this is a good song. Like I said, I completely forgot uh, existed, and I think it was on a show that you sent over to me, and I listened to it, uh, uh, a live version. I like the live version actually uh, actually better, but yeah, this one, this one and Better Than the Sun and She's On Her Way, I had just completely forgot existed. Yeah, and that's it's funny that you say that because uh, it was my favorite track then and now. And going back to uh, to listen to the album, I kind of forgot about it, and it's it's surprising, you know, that considering I liked it so much, you know. But uh, so that was a, a pleasant surprise. But then, uh, so then that one gives way to uh, one you mentioned was your favorite, and it's the one that's co-written with uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Mr. Mark Ford, and that's Sunday Sound. Well, I'd like to dance with you As the band plays on I'd like to talk with you Until dawn We'll make a Sunday sound Is it both loud and clear? We'll make a Sunday sound That love if i had to pick one of these songs that leaned most towards a crow's kind of sound this would be it um for sure i for, completely agree with you on that but i i've always loved it in concert it was it was great it was a highlight of the uh of the evening when they busted into it because it's just a it has kind of a an up tempo kind of happy vibe to it. I mean, you can't really, you can't really uh, say say anything bad about that, you know. So yeah, the vibe was too positive to be on Three Snakes. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, I've heard that Mark wrote the bridge. Is that what you've heard? Yeah, I remember reading um, an interview with Chris around the time of the album's release, and that's what he said. 
But sometimes, you know, you just need that that thing to that one extra piece of a song to really make it fully realized. And, uh, you know, um, kudos to Mark for really fl- f- rounding out the song. Um, so this w- w- did he record this album after like the Malibu Inn show with Mark? Yeah, I mean, I, I it was after that because the Malibu Inn stuff was uh, like January, February of '02. And, uh, you know, this album, I think, was recorded. It, the album was released in October of 02. And, I, you know, it probably was. So it's probably they probably started the process not long after that, which is probably how they ended up writing together a little bit. But um, I feel it's a shame they didn't write together a little bit some more. Um, I, I wish I wish they would have, too. But this is one that the CRB does play occasionally. And they man, they they stretch it out. Uh, there's a really good version. I don't have the date in front of me. It was from, I think it was last year there in Europe, and I don't know what happened, but they wound up having to do an acoustic show, and I, I think it's just Adam, Neil, and Chris. I, I have I have the show. I'll post the data of it on our social media, but it's an acoustic version with them. It's just fascinating. and This would be a great one, I think. Let's say the Crows were to get back together, hypothetically, with Mark and, and Steve. That's how we would want it. This if and Chris is like, hey, I want to play one or two of my solo songs. I would love to see the the full band take on this. Yeah, I mean, it would. It's something that you know could fit in perfectly. And uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Mark is familiar with the song. He he contributed to its writing. So, and I feel that um, what Paul Stacy played on the lead is very much in Mark's style. Um, so you know, it'd be uh, you know a stone's throw really for them to uh, put something like that together uh, if that day ever did come. Well, I think the the it would they I, I could see them playing this and it get a lot of the same response if they jammed it out as like my morning song because it's it's a, it makes you feel good and I, I I mean I would I would really love to see hear that and it does lend itself to a nice jam too. Certain songs just are structured in a way that you know you can you can find a way to flesh it out live and this is one of them and I, sure. I, you know, I think they did uh, for a bit you know when they, when the new earth mud itself played it live but uh, it's just a great great tune I mean and, and to me it seems almost the most single worthy I don't know if it ever was a single but it, it's the most if you had to use the term uh, radio friendly you know it would be the most to me, the most radio-friendly track. I think that might, if I was the record company, that's the one I would push to be the lead one for two, for two, for one main reason. Like we said, it's the most, it's the thing that would most sound like the Crows, and it may be a little bit more welcoming to people. They may think, "Hey, this album's going to sound more like that," and then they get the other songs and finally like them. I, I, I feel like that would be a, a real possibility. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, it might have definitely attracted some more casual people to the uh, to the album. The shame of this album too is um, it was released on Redline Records, which was like a subsidiary of Best Buy. So that's how you know. I always wondered how he got so much more exposure early on in the solo game than than Rich did. But that's you know, you got Best Buy in your corner. That's a a real way to push the record, and they have it in all their stores and that. But that Redline Records subsequently, you know, uh, went out of business. So that's this album is sadly out of print, which uh, which makes 
our giveaway even that much more valuable. Yes, I guess <laughs> I guess it does. That's not what I was getting at, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yes, so now you have a uh, a rarity in your hands. Uh, whoever the lucky winner might be, right? That's exactly right. The next track on the record, though, is uh, a close second favorite for me, and uh, it's one of those songs that it starts out, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a slow build all the way to the end, and it's a really amazing finish, and that is. Barefoot by the cherry tree. I just close my eyes. Well, and you're right there with me. Dancing in the sun. always loved this track it was another one that i you know i spent many many hours learning how to play on the guitar and playing to it over and over again i just really i love the track um what are your thoughts on it Ian? we're disagreeing more and more on this episode than we probably have our entire friendship uh there's an old adage in the music business don't bore us get to the chorus <laughs> and i think in my opinion respectfully it it that applies here. I love the chorus when he, you know, sings "Barefoot by the Cherry Tree." I think that's great, but the lead up to it, I don't know. Just it never has struck with me, and to me, it's always seemed a little forced. But you really like it, and that's cool. Um, this is just one of the ones I probably would have left off. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the that's the ultimate uh, power of music, and uh, you know, I've said it before, but it's it's kind of why I've stopped reading record reviews and and or reading uh you know uh people's opinions on message boards and things like that because ultimately you like what you like and if something resonates with you and it doesn't resonate with someone else that doesn't mean it's any less valuable or if it means something to you you know that's that's all that really matters that's exactly right and i've pretty much quit reading record reviews ever since the whole war paint fiasco where the guy admitted he'd never listened to the album when he wrote the review remember that yeah, yeah, that was a big deal, and uh, ultimately, I think it got the album a little more press, which was a good thing. But you know, that's it really does show how you know pathetic the review business has gotten. And and I, this is coming from a guy that used to write record reviews for a magazine. You know, and I've uh, I've mended my ways. I don't do that anymore. Well, but, there's uh, there's <laughs> very few people I really trust, and like um, David Frick from Rolling Stone, I trust him. Uh, yes. And now it's on. It's it's weird because the 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 medium has changed. Now that I listen to so many music podcasts, and there's people that I've learned to trust uh, that I go with. Um, I go with their with what they think, but that's more so with like, hey, you should try listen to listen to this band. Not so much as their reviews of an album. Because I'm like you. There's albums that I listen to that think are great and the critics think are horrible. And then I listen to albums it's the opposite way. Oh, this is the greatest thing. And I listen to them. I'm like, what are you, are you listening to something different? You yeah. Know, are we I listening mean. to two total things? Uh, case in point, several like Radiohead albums. 
um, I'm I'm not I'm just a very casual Radiohead fan. Um, I think their two best albums are In Rainbows and The Bend. There are some songs on OK Computer that I think are good, but there's some songs I think are bad. You know, and depending on who you're talking to, that's blasphemy when you say that. And so, and I also think there's I'm getting off, getting off track here for a second, but let me rant. I also think there's certain bands that certain people in the music media fall in love with, and they push those down your throat. Uh, a great example to me was the Strokes. Uh, they, yes. I mean, they were they were the second coming of the Rolling Stones. They were going to save rock and roll. They could do no wrong. I listened to the Strokes albums. I don't like them at all. I, uh, you know, I'd have to agree there. Their first record is has got some uh, some decent tracks on it, but uh, you know, nothing. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, and, much for me. And we actually, t- on my cheap plug here, my other podcast, Digital Kill the Radio Star, we took uh, albums by bands that are that other people really like that we're not necessarily that familiar with, and we listen to them and give our opinion on them. And I did the Strokes as this it, and um, uh, the, the, I see why people thought that. But it just did not come across that way to me. There were a couple of songs I'll admit I liked, but anyway. So getting off back on track, uh, we were on "Barefoot by the Cherry Tree." Uh, I think that's cool that you like it so much, and then I don't like it uh, because, like you said, that shows the power of, of music. And honestly, that may be the sign of a good song because it has stirred emotion one way or the other. That's <laughs> <Yeah, it's> true, <coughs> and. Uh... You know, the same can be said for the uh, the track that follows it, which, um, I mean, I'm just going to, uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. I, I am not, uh, I'm not a fan of this track. I never have been. It's just something about it I can't get into. I'm not saying it's bad. I just can't get into it. And that is uh, Katie Deer, which is, uh, I'm assuming, is a uh, almost a love letter to uh, his uh, wife at the time, which was Kate, uh, Kate Hudson. Something doesn't. It just never really struck a chord with me. I don't, what, what do you, what's your uh, take on it? I don't know how it made it on the album. I'm just being honest. I, I think you're right. I think it's great that he wrote a song for her, and I think it's great that he was in love with her and everything. Uh, that's one. If I were Paul Stacy, I might have been like, eh, I would. Uh, why don't you just sing that to her when you get home tonight? <laughs> you know. Well, he he says it's. Uh... You know, even though it's the the title of it is Katie Deer, and obviously her name is Kate, and uh, he says it's not necessarily, you know, entirely about her or things like that. But uh, right, I don't know. I don't know how much stock I put into that. I mean, it seems pretty obvious that it is. To well, me, if but. you watch the documentary, he has written the lyrics to "Safe in the Arms of Love," and they're in the studio, and he's got his arms around her, standing behind her, and he's singing them to her. So, I, I I've heard him say that about Katie Deer, and hey, he wrote the song. He would know better than me, but circumstantially it 
it sounds like it's about her. It's completely about her. But yeah, and this is one of those ones I hate to be one of these people. It's like, oh, that piles on a song because other people, you know, or fans pile on things because I think we learn, at least with you and me, there's songs on lines that people hate that you and I liked. But man, this is the one where my theory, everybody can't be wrong, comes into play. Uh, it's just not a good song. I mean, no disrespect to him or, or whoever recorded it. It's just does not resonate with me at all. And if, I wouldn't have put it on there. No, and I think by and large, you know, um, it didn't really, uh, you know, it received more uh, negative attention than positive attention from most people that were into the into the album. And, uh, you know, which is cool. I mean, you can't, you know, to have an album where every track is perfect, it, it's, it's rare. And, uh, you know, at least... You know, like a recurring theme, we've been saying it throughout the episode. But uh, you know, at least he's he's tr- trying different stuff, and I, I I always applaud artists that don't play it safe and try to do different things. You know, and 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 be as creative as possible. Whether it falls flat on his face or not is a different story. But oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, kudos for trying. Like I said, I've said it numerous times already. Kudos for. Um, uh, trying something new and not trying to put out a Black Crows album, I I, I think that's great. And but like we said, there were some misses, and this was one. Yeah, I, I I'd have to agree. Um, but the 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 track that follows it was, um, I believe, um, during the 2003 tour that they did, uh, opening for Government Mule. I think they closed with this every set that they did. Um, it's a great like funk based tune fleshed out live. It was even better. Uh, it's called ride. Definitely one of the standouts for me. Um, I don't know. Did you ever have the opportunity to see it live? Or yes, I did, and I thought it was great live. It's even better live than it is on the album. On the album, it's really good. I also feel like Chris has kind of flirted a little bit with this kind of music in, in leading up to this. Um, yes, and I think this was his chance to really say, "I'm I'm going to make a you know almost like a, a funk song." Um, and he he went with it, and it turned out really really good. Now, for consistency's sake, it's unlike anything else on the album. But I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it is completely different from any of the other songs. And he does play this with the CRB, and as you can imagine, it gets pretty funky and psychedelic. I guess this is kind of the precursor to "I Ain't Hiding." Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, it's funny that you say that because uh, when I was going back and listening to it, I kind of had the same kind of thought i mean i i i like this track a bit more um but yeah i i it's it's funny you know I, it certain things stick in your memory and over time you, you you know you remember concerts you went to but you know a large part of the details kind of fade from your memory but i still remember seeing him perform this song and how into it he was and it, it made you into it you know and 
I personally think this is one of his favorite tracks. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know the man, and I'm not, uh, you know, I can't say that with any kind of authority, but it just seemed that way to me. He's always seemed very into performing it. It, it would make me very interested to hear if he would go in this direction for an entire album. It, let's say the CRB is done and he decided to start a new project. I, I would really like to hear him put out an album of original material, but all more soul R&B and funk based and maybe even honestly a little reggae thrown in. I would be very interested to hear that. And I think he would do a really good job with it. I do because any, any foray they've ever made, you know, in, in whatever incarnation or project he was involved in, um, I mean, if you think, go tell the congregation from by your side, um, you know, it, that worked and he was very good at that, you know, and then there's this track and I, I could definitely see that. That would be something I would enjoy. I always kind of like that. There's, uh, you know, there's several artists that I've always felt, man, I wish they would go in this direction for one album because I think it would work and, uh. You know, that's that's definitely true. Well, he's got the equity built up amongst his fans, and he's got this new opportunity. Uh, I just, I, if he if he does that, uh, I would be really happy because I think it, I think it would turn out really good. I think it would, and I think it would be authentic sounded. I think he, I could see him like going to like, uh, uh, you know, um, I forget the name of the studio in uh, Memphis where like Stax Records did a lot of their recording or coming down to Muscle Shoals and doing it. I could see him going to the real places where that kind of stuff was recorded. And he wouldn't, you know, halfway do it. I think it would be completely authentic sounding. Yeah, I mean, uh, that definitely would be a winner. I mean, that and uh, just to sidetrack for a second, the other artist I always wanted to do, like a specific album, was I always wanted David Lee Roth to do an entirely blues album. I thought that would be the greatest thing ever. But uh, that's a whole different story. (laughs) <laughs> wow the, uh, the uh the next track on this one though is uh i i forgot about this till i looked up uh looked into the liner notes but it's uh it's co-written with uh dean DeLeo, who's the uh one of the uh, another uh brothers band uh from the uh, stone temple pilots and um if you listen to the guitar riff on this one better than the sun it uh it is decidedly um a Dean DeLeo type of uh, style. time seems kind of out of place on this album they had to have been traveling in the same circles at that point uh, because i'm I assuming yeah because chris had moved to malibu because uh, i've read right. a lot of different things with their names linked to each other with uh different projects and there was an interview i heard with somebody recently that talked about them with chris and i can't remember the specifics so i don't want to say the wrong thing but 
that would have that would have been an interesting pairing. It would have been. I think at one point, if I if my uh, my memory serves me correct, there was a rumor that they were going to be putting together some kind of project together, and perhaps doing an album. And then I think that all kind of fell by the wayside when uh, uh, you know the Crows set up shop again in uh, in '05. But uh, I remember hearing something about that. That it definitely would have been interesting. The thing about Dean DeLeo to me is um, he's always he's a much better gu- guitar player than he really gets credit for. If you even going back to the first Stone Temple Pilots record, like the the stuff that he comes up with in riffs and chord structures is very unique and very like left of center, even if it doesn't immediately sound like it. And uh, he was always a very melodic player too. And I, I think it was uh, I like the song. But uh, you know, not the uh, again, not the top top track for me. But uh, it was a it was a rarity live too. I don't think they played it all that many times live. At least I don't remember it being on that many shows I had uh, seen or had on tape or anything like that. I, I think you're I think you're right um, on that as well. I also think if they would have gotten together, it would have been a um, a good pairing because I think he's got a little bit of a psychedelic side to him. With uh, with his songwriting and some of that Stone Temple Pilot stuff, at times kind of borderline on you know had a psychedelic feel to it. I, I would have liked to have seen that project go. Yeah, um, I like the song. I don't dislike it. Um, and like you said, once you know that he wrote on it and you go back and listen to it, you can definitely tell that it has a Stone Temple Pilots type feel to it. Yeah, I mean he has a certain acoustic sound, especially that is very uh, noteworthy. So and it it, it kind of came out a lot more, I would say, starting with their with the Stonehenge Pilots like third record and forward, like you start to hear it more. But uh, yeah, I was a, I, I I like the track, and uh, I, again, would have liked to have seen more from the two of them, um, writing songs together. And then that one, of course, kind of seeks into uh, the closer, which is a track called "She's on Her Way." She's on her way. I didn't like when the record first came out. I, you know, I kind of usually would bail out on it at that point. But uh, going back and listening to it, I do have a deeper appreciation for it. How about you? It's one of the ones I would have left on the floor. Um, it didn't do anything for me then. It doesn't do anything uh, for me now. Um, I don't know why that is, but um, it's one that I would have left off and maybe put Let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I mean, you don't necessarily have to put another song on there. You could take that and Katie Deer off, and I think the standing of the album would go up a little bit. What what is it about it that, that has appealed to you now versus back then? It um I like songs, you know, a little bit more recently. I, I've gotten into um tracks that have like a 
I don't know how to describe it properly. Maybe like a a vibe or like a an overall like uh, aesthetic to them. And that that one kind of is very airy, and there's a lot of room in it. And uh, I don't know. It's just it it kind of did a little something more for me than it did initially. I'm not saying it's the prize of the album or anything, but uh, you know, uh, I don't know. It just it kind of hit hit a little differently this time around. Well, that's what going back and re-listening your stuff can can do because obviously you're older and your taste may have changed somewhat since then. And uh, you were going to say wiser, but uh, stopped yourself. <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, any maybe any perceived bias that you had at the time has maybe mellowed or, or gone away. I I feel like that's the case to some extent with me on this. Um, I, I've just come to a place, and I've I've talked. I think I talked about this on one of our episodes when. It, comes to whatever's going on between the Robinson brothers. Um, I'm just glad they're both putting out music and, you know, um, I, I'm trying, I've tried to lift my bias. Um, when, when I start listening to, to Chris's stuff. And like I said, on, I think our first episode, that's really made me appreciate the CRB a whole lot more. And honestly, uh, made me appreciate this album a, a great deal more than I may have wanted to. We'll put it that way. It was almost like at the time when it came out, when they were going their solo ways, it was almost like it seemed to me like people in, you know, Black Crow's fans either invested themselves fully in Chris's stuff or fully in Rich's stuff. You know what I mean? Whereas now it seems to be like a, a lot of people, you know, are just taking everything in. So, you know, it was uh, it was a uh, it was an odd time. But I mean. The, the part of the cool thing about New Earth Mud to me, and, and the reason why I have such a fond um, remembrance of it, is uh, it came with a um, a message board that was titled "The Hallucination Nation," which yes. is uh, taken from uh, Sunday Sound. It's a lyric in Sunday Sound, and that was that was the first time I ever joined a message board, and I actually felt like I was making friends as opposed to just you know trading comments with people and a lot of those people i've maintained you know even after the that message board fell apart and disappeared and i maintained a lot of uh contact with a lot of these people and it's, it's to this day and you know it's uh it was really a cool thing i met some really nice people through it and it kind of the 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 board that um reminds me of it now well it's not really a board uh, the the facebook group um true fans of the magpie salute uh, a lot of those people have wound up there, and and, and it kind of re- has the same kind of vibe to it. And uh, you know, it, that was that was another cool aspect of the New Earth Mud is I, you know, I kind of really met a lot of interesting, like-minded people that uh, I've been able to uh, carry some uh, relationships through to this day. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. Were you, were you I, a member there? Or? I was, and honestly, I had completely forgotten about that. Now that you said it, I just have flashbacks. Yeah, I was all over it at the time. It's crazy how once social media came around, all of those things kind of went the way of the dodo bird. Because you know, I was on, I was real big on like BlackCrows.net, and mm. um, gosh, I can't even remember all of the other ones. The only one I'm on now is uh, a Morka Three. And the the Facebook pages, but there was I was at black blackcrows dot org. Um, I can't I can't see it's been so long I can't even remember the other ones, but Hallucination Nation was 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 really good, and I learned 
uh, a lot of stuff about music from that board. I, it, I feel like on that one, uh, there was a, a there was a lot more posting about substance versus some of the others at that time. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Uh, you know, actually, uh, out of curiosity, what was your because uh, you know in the message boards you always had a uh, you know like a handle or a screen name or whatever you would call it. You know, whereas on like Facebook or something, it's just your actual name. But what what did you go by on that board? I, I can't even I can't even remember. Um, I'm on like a, a Mork or three. I'm Rebel Crow, um, and I cannot even remember my logins uh, on those other ones. I remember mine, but what, what was I was that? I was very big into. Uh, I still am, but uh, you know, it was right when I was starting getting into. It, I was very big into uh, uh, Hunter S. Thompson, so I went by Doctor Gonzo. That was me. <laughs> so. For anybody who disliked me, now you know. Now you know the secret's out. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I, I had a great time there, and uh, you know, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we had uh, tried to uh, line up a guest for this episode, and just uh, you know, for a, a, a few reasons, time-wise and circumstance, uh, it didn't happen. But one of those people was—I mean, that that person was one of the people I met on uh, Hallucination Nation, and had had a real uh, you know, appreciation for the music. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, connect up with that individual at a later date because she was definitely uh, into all facets of uh, the Crows universe. So yeah, we'll make it. We'll make it work uh, with her on uh, on something else, and we're going to do a whole other podcast. It'll probably be a while, honestly, uh, on this magnificent distance, which I think is a. Woo, I think it's a great album. Uh, where I thought this was a good album, I thought it is a great album. And we'll dive into why that was and all of that uh, in the future. But we do have some interesting things planned. And our next episode is going, we are going to have a guest. It's uh, a gentleman that's, uh, that listens to the podcast. And uh, he's been on my other podcast for a couple episodes. And I think you're, I think everybody's really going to, enjoy that it'd be the first edition of our tall tales uh series so uh next week uh we'll be a third person on here and uh he will add a lot to it i promise you yes i am very uh from what you've told me i'm very excited uh to do this episode with uh with this gentleman and i I think it's going to be a great thing and uh i'm very much looking forward to that and it's it's a milestone for our first guest you know yeah, first of, of many, like I said, we're we're going to try to get as many of you on that want to come on uh, as possible. And I meant to say, when you send us a message saying you want to come on, maybe uh, throw out a couple of topic ideas that you would be comfortable doing. That may help us uh, when, uh, that may determine when you get picked um, in the future. And Yeah, because if we have a better idea of uh, <clears throat> what your forte is and we have something coming up like that, we'll know immediately who to go to. And I'm yeah. Gonna- That'll make, it, make it easier. Uh, that will make it easier. Uh, Ian, normally uh, you throw it to me a lot of times to play us out. I'm going to throw it back to you to tell us what song is going to play us out, and you can sign off and tell everybody goodbye for us. You got it. And uh, you had mentioned, uh, you know, on these giveaways, sometimes I slip in a little something extra. I that's definitely going to be happening with this one because I already have something in mind. Um, but uh, that being said, this track may or may not be from that uh, that little extra item. This is come from a a uh, uh, two or three times on the on the New Earth Mud tours. They 
released these official bootlegs, which came in a little cardboard sleeve, and it was a pressed CD. And it was a limited release, and it was actually like audience bootleg recordings, just you know, really good sounding. This track is from uh, from one of those uh, those bootlegs that I happen to have, and it was a song that uh, was played regularly by the New Earth Mud, but never made any of the records. It's called High Speed Transportation LA City Limit Blues, and we are going to sign off with that. So again, greatly appreciate everybody listening, and we look forward to uh, hearing from you and getting all your messages, and we hope you uh, continue to enjoy the show. Thanks very much.
Thank you.